Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. This is episode 61, and in case you do not know, this is a at minimum monthly podcast I like to do, both here on YouTube as well as on most major podcasting sites, in which I kind of cover a few topics of interest to me in regards to modding updates, the modding world, modding news, all that fun stuff, just little projects and such that I might see all over the place that gain my interest are things that I want to talk about, and then I talk about them with you all here. Now, this is available in two different variants. There is, of course, the video version, which is available on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel. And there's also the audio-only version, which is available on most major podcasting platforms and apps. Simply look up Mod Chat, one word on there, and you should hopefully be able to find, download, and consume it like an actual audio-only podcast. So one thing before we get into this, I did want to address this as well. I am on camera for the first time in at least two months. It's been a minute. I was having some camera-related issues, and hopefully they're kind of mostly worked through. I know there's some little stuff that I'm picking up here and there, but it's mostly at a point like this. And for the podcast itself, temporarily, because I wanted it to still keep on going despite me not displaying here on camera, I was temporarily using gameplay footage. And I did that for, I believe, the past three episodes. And some people loved it, some people hated it, and most people didn't care at all. So I kind of wanted to say going forward on that, I would primarily like to appear on camera, but I think I am going to change it up a little bit from time to time, depending on circumstances, depending on how I feel, because sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes I just don't really want to appear on camera, but I still want to talk to you all, and I still want to do an episode, and if something like that happens, I think I might use gameplay on there. I think the one good tip I did get from that, the one really good gameplay tip just kind of going forward, is to use chill gameplay. So if there's something on screen that is important that I'm going to show you, I'm going to do that. But if it's just going to be a section here of me talking and talking and, you know, giving my thoughts and such for a few minutes... I'm going to put gameplay up on there and, you know, it was requested, hey, maybe it'd be good to put just some chill gameplay that we don't really have to pay that much attention to. But I would still primarily like to appear on camera here. So that's just going to be that little bit here. I want to mention that in the future, it's probably not going to be a whole ton. But if you see me going back and forth, that's going to be why. Anyways, let's go ahead and get into this first topic here with my dog Lily in the corner. If you can see her over there sleeping it away. This is going to be more exciting than that sleeping dog, though, I promise you. She should be awake for this. So you might be either really excited or you might be feeling like Lily sleeping in the corner not caring with this here, but the SX Core and SX Lite mod chips from Team Executor have been delivered to a lot of testers and have been unboxed. Now here, I'm just referring to the Max console article by user Uberlete, but at the time this was written, it was May 16th, it said it has been 10 days since Team Executor first announced their samples of the new mod chip for currently unhackable Mariko and Light switches was shipping. But now it seems they are starting to arrive as already three testers plus Executor themselves have shared some photos of both the SX Core and the SX Lite. Now, for anybody who does not remember or does not know, the SX Core is going to be the internal only solution which is going to be geared for all versions of the Nintendo Switch. So this does work for the eye-patched Switches, the ones which are not Mariko revisions, but they cannot take the Fuse Jelly payload. It's also going to have another variant in the form of SX Lite for the, of course, the Switch Lite consoles. So here we're just getting some photos of this and... I, I will tell you this thing, I mean, these aren't really the best photos right out of the gate. This one's a good one here. This is a really interesting design. I've actually never done an internal modification on a Switch, so this certainly looks like it would be a challenge, although it looks like at the same time the developers behind this did try to clean it up in a way as best as they can and not make sure you're not having wires running all over the place. Uh, they're really, ru ru uh, how do I say, they're relying quite a bit on all of these ribbons right here. So it's, it's interesting to say the least. Now, from what I know, this does require SXOS 3.0.0, which is in a closed beta right now, so it's not available to the masses. 
And on top of that, you also need to, well, make sure you're okay with physically soldering this in your system. Uh, because this does not look like to be a very easy install from what I've seen here. In fact, I wanted to pull these images here from the Bobo from his Twitter handle, official the Bobo, and he said here, did the SX Lite installation today for my friend consolehacks.com today. Uh, full guide on installation will be released when it's ready. So just looking at this photo here, I mean, look at that. That's the actual chip itself soldered in. We have uh, all the connectors hooked up to it that need to be for these ribbons that are soldered in different places. And of course, as you can see right here, if you've never, if you've ever fired up SXOS or like launched the payload, I, I guess that'd be it. If you've ever launched the payload without the proper boot.dat file there in the root of the SD card, it displays that really funny, I, I like that, that really funny, not animation, but that photo there. The only thing is, though, I still can't tell, is this a annoyed SD card sweating, or is this an annoyed SD card giving you the finger? That I don't know. But seriously, you do have to tear down your switch. You are going to have to get it down to the actual motherboard itself, to the SOC. You're going to have to remove the shielding here. And then just take a look at this. You have to actually solder to some of the little tiny components that are on there. Now there's two things I'm worried about. One, this is going to be quite a challenging install, so I would not recommend this for a first-time install to many people. And two, for the people who are going to be installing it for others, I'm going to worry that we're going to have a lot of installers out there, or I hope not a lot. I feel like there's going to be some installers out there who are going to take this all apart and not clean up and put it back together. Like, they're not going to properly repaste the switch, which is just, that's that's one of my little pet peeves. Look, just, if you can take any way, anything away from this here, this is just in general for computing, for electronics, whatever you're going to be dealing with. If you are going to remove a heatsink and it has thermal paste there, you always repaste it. You don't just slap the heatsink back on. Once you release that pressure, you need to clean up, you need to repaste it. And I have a feeling some installers might not do that. I guess, I guess we'll see. I don't know yet. Anyways, this is available for pre-order at some of the following websites. So for example, mod3dscards.com. Well, wait a minute. This website is not loading up. Okay, let's try the next one. You can also get it at anxchip.com. All right, that's a 404. The whole website's not working. How about executorsx.com? That looks pretty good. No, this is, well, let me go ahead and translate this. To our visitors, we regret to inform that this page will be closed temporarily. The pre-sales purchases were made on this website will be returned in the order that they were received. Returns will begin on Thursday, May 28th, 2020. We apologize for any inconvenience this may have caused. Our intention was never to harm the customers. Any, uh, okay, so what's going on here? Can I, can I pre-order this thing anywhere? What about uh, uh, USA chips? Did I try that yet? 404? FlashcardA.com? What if I'm in Canada? 404? An X card? Like, do I have to go to the UK for this or what? This isn't working either. I don't know what's going on here. Actually, I do know what's going on. That was just a little bit of a bit there, but... There's been a new slew of lawsuits that were handed out from Nintendo just in time for SX Core and SX Lite, and I do not at all think that this is a coincidence. So I'd read a couple articles on this, but I, I seem to like the one on GBA Tim more, so I'm going to cite this one uh, from here saying, Nintendo files two new lawsuits against Team Executor-related resellers by Krista Noren. Now here it's stated, the never-ending battle that sees Nintendo face off against the latest copyright circumventing piracy device continues with two brand new lawsuits. On May 15th, Nintendo filed a couple of lawsuits involving entities responsible for reselling devices for used for the, quote, sole purpose of which is to hack the Nintendo Switch video game console in order to allow people to play pirated video games. The first lawsuit against a group of websites and their respective John Doe owners for anxchip.com, axiogame.com, flashcarda.com, mod3dscards.com, nxcard.com, sxflashcard.com, txswitch.com, 
and USAchips.com, while the second suit specifically targets Tom Diltz Jr. and their company, Uberchips. So here it looks like Nintendo is sinking compensation for irreparable damages to the company, as all of the websites have warehouses within the United States, and thus fall within the confines of the law. The monetary demands amount to $2,500 per violation of 17 U.S.C. 1201, a DMCA provision, as well as $150,000 per violation of Nintendo's rights under the U.S. Copyright Act, in addition to possibly requesting profits the resellers received from selling the offending devices. So this is, this here again, this is not at all a coincidence to me. I believe that this was a specific target here to really shut down and thwart and make getting the SX Core and SX Lite devices as hard as possible and not only completely shut it down for many sellers, but also scare off even more resellers as well. And I'm going to talk about my thoughts on that as well, too. Uh, on this GBA Temp article, they actually link both of the lawsuits that were filed, because one of them was only filed against a single person, and the other one has been filed against about eight different websites. So let's just take a brief look at those. So of course, here we see the first court filing, and this is against all of these websites right here. Now, both of these are going to read about the same for the most part. However, this one is a little bit different when you get into it further, and it's something I haven't particularly liked about some of these reseller sites. And I have said multiple times, maybe not on Mod Chat, but at least in places where with people I've talked with and such, I've spoken about this multiple times and said, this is what's going to screw everything up here. <laughs> and here it is actually on 19 right here. Further, for those defendants which also sell memory cards full of pirated games, their creation and distribution of those cards violate Nintendo's exclusive right to reproduce and distribute its copyrighted works under 17 USC section 106 1 and 3, entitling Nintendo to the relief sought herein. So for anybody who does not know what that means there, Nintendo's looking for further damages because some of these websites were also, they weren't just selling uh, SXOS and SX Core and SX Lite and, you know, the SX Pro dongle. Uh, they weren't just selling those devices and keys, no. Uh, some of the websites were also selling and advertising uh, preloaded memory cards, not memory cards, but preloaded micro SD cards full of pirated games and you could pay a premium to get those and that is when I knew I'm like that's that's not going to work out too well. <laughs> now it looks like with the way Nintendo was verifying this is here below is a true and correct copy of an image captured on April 17th 2020 of the defendants behind TXSwitch.com prominently boasting they sold a software license key for Team Executor's SXOS to a purchaser in Washington state. So here, even though, I mean, on a website, it's cool to see where all these are being sold to, Nintendo ended up using this to their advantage here in the lawsuit to prove, hey, we are buying these here and the website knows that we're buying them. Of course, this also being within the US is a touchy thing as well too because it's even noticed here. For example, below is a screenshot of the main page of defendant's website, anxchip.com, clearly stating they will ship from the US, including tracking, through USPS, like, they are really trying to get all the screenshots they can in this document. So even just looking further down, you'll see that they were pulling images from Team Executor's website as well here too. So this is the initial demo images that we had actually covered here on, you know, much at a few months ago of the initial SX Core SX Lite tees. Even further down, look at this. They got, again, another screenshot here of this video showing the initial SX Lite tees. So here, uh, going further down, this is where I knew... Even before any of these lawsuits were filed, this was going to be a not a not not a good thing. I guess I can say for any of these websites here. Um, now it says, of course, five of the defendants' websites: anxchips.com, flashcarda.com, mod3dscards.com, nxcard.com, and usachips.com also sell memory cards preloaded with pirated and thus infringing copyrighted games for the Nintendo Switch. For instance, defendants' website: anxchip 
on its purchase page for the SX Pro allows a purchaser to add an SD card with 16, 30, or 60 plus Nintendo Switch games. The website boldly states that users can, quote, easily crack your console to enjoy free games, unquote. Similarly, defendant's website flashcarda.com offers SD cards for sale, either bundled with an SX Pro or on their own. Moreover, a consumer can buy cards with 16, 25, 35, or 50 games. In other words, the more the customer is willing to pay, the more infringing games go onto the card. Flashcard A describes the product as a pre-installed SD card to play all Nintendo Switch games for free. Now here, there's actually an example where it's saying, uh, to take USA Chips for example, this website provides the below image with logos of games that are on the memory card they offer, and yeah, right here, I mean, you could see these on many different websites that were at least offering these in the past. And some of the defendants' websites also publish full lists of each and every game they offer on memory cards. Game lists for ANX chip, Flash Card A, and Mod 3DS cards are attached here too as exhibits 1, 2, and 3 respectively. And they even have physical evidence as well, because it says further, Nintendo has obtained an SD card from FlashCardA.com that contains an unlawful copy of Nintendo's most recent blockbuster game, Animal Crossing New Horizons. So look, I I've talked about this at length many times in many other different examples on Mod Chat here, but uh, I guess I'll kind of talk about it here on this example as well too. Um, selling a device, like a chip, for the most part is going to be okay as long as there's not any copyrighted code on there for the most part really. However, I knew these were going to be big right here because these websites were, they, they were doing two things, which I was just like, no, no, do not do that. One of them was selling pirated games. Now, there's not going to be an excuse. I know that their reason was to make extra money on there, but no, that's a really good way to get eyes on you and piss off a whole lot of copyright holders. And the second was advertising how these tools are. So, of course, this kind of... I talked about it before in a previous Sony lawsuit in which Sony had purchased two jailbroken PS4s from somebody who was uh, jailbreaking PS3s, jailbreaking PS4s, reselling them with pirated games and all that stuff, and then openly advertising, you'll never have to pay for games again, this is free games, all that stuff, and uh, the way that that's conveyed is, I mean, for the most part, if you jailbreak a device... You can do good stuff with it. You could also pirate things on there, and that's going to be completely up to the users. Some people want to back up games that they physically own. Like, I just picked this up right here. I might want to back it up. Like, that's going to be okay. But people can also, and it's going to be up to the users, they can also go out and commit a crime and download a pirated copy of that game and put it on there. So a part of this is that these devices were being advertised on these websites as enablers for free games. And I mean, there was no, uh, there was no coded language on there. There was no disclaimers from what I see. It was very much free games, like free games, free games, free games. <laughs> that that's what it was being described as there. I, I don't, I don't really have much else to say on that in regards to the website. Like they kind of put themselves in that position right there. <laughs> now the second lawsuit here, I'm not going to go into as much detail, but I do want to discuss it here. So this is against one organization who owns one business that was running one chip site. This one is a lot spookier, and I believe this was designed more to send a message, and maybe, I, I mean, I guess we'll see what's going on right here. Now, the thing is, with Uber Chips, let, let me see if I can show you the website. Well, all right, I, th I thought it would have been nice to show you all the website, but unfortunately, I it, the website is completely down now, understandably. Uh, it's also not accessible on the Wayback Machine, and even their Facebook page was taken down as well, too, and there's not a cached version I can see on there. So some of this I'm going to have to go off the lawsuit, some of it I'll have to go off memory, because I, I did look at this when it was still up. But here it stated, Uberchips.com has been so popular that within a day of going online, the website sold out of batch one of its pre-orders. On a Facebook account for Uber Chips, defendants stated that those with order numbers 342 and below were part of the first batch, suggesting that at least 342 individuals had bought one or multiple circumvention devices from defendants' site in just a day. The defendants then released batch number two of an unknown quantity, which sold out two and a half weeks later. Defendants are now offering pre-orders in batch number three, their final pre-order batch. Don't miss out. 
defendant said on May 6th, 2020. Get in your pre-order today. And of course here, as evidence, Nintendo placed a successful pre-order purchase on uberchips.com for both SX Core and SX Lite. Received confirmation for that order and payment has been processed. Now, coming down a little bit further on the lawsuit here, it does mention the owner, Tom Diltz Jr., his website, his uh, LLC and such that was registered for this. And for anybody who might be a little bit iffy with me sharing that, keep in mind, this is a public document. This is a public lawsuit, so to speak. All this information has been published on Scribe and many other places. I mean, this is all very public. These are public filings. So anybody could get this information once it has been officially filed in the court system. So in regards to this here, kind of coming back to it, this is why I think this is a little bit more of a targeted attack and why this is only over one individual. Here on number 26, it says, investigation has revealed that uberchips.com site is operated by an individual who uses, who also uses the alias Game Over. Based on public records, Mr. Dilt's automobile contains a vanity license plate reading Game Over. On information and belief, Mr. Dilt's is the operator of uberchips.com under the alias Game Over. So the reason why I say this one is a little bit more targeted and a little bit more spooky is for multiple reasons. One of which is this is a brand new site. All the other sites in the other lawsuit have been very established. They've been around for a while. People have known of them, like for at least a year or two. None of those sites are new sites, is what I'm trying to say. The second thing here is you also notice this uh, Uber chips here is not being lumped in with all the other websites, which is interesting to say the least here. And third, it's more the mention of his specific username, Game Over. Uh, I'm going to come back to that. And I guess the fourth point here I can make is these were pre-orders. This website was brand new. I mean, this website was made, I mean, I'm sure it was going to sell uh, the SX dongle. Or is it SX Pro? I guess the SX Pro dongle. And I'm sure they were also going to sell SXOS licenses individually. But this was really made in mind to capitalize on the sale and distribution of SX Core and SX Lite, which is why they were doing the, pre the pre-orders. And I believe those are their only products that they were selling on the website. So they were only selling pre-orders for a product that is still not out yet at the time of recording this, which means that they might not have even had the product physically in hand. They didn't ship out the product to any of their customers. Nobody who ordered from this site or any of the other sites got products, but the other sites I can understand, you know, like 3DS flashcards or SXOS licenses or whatever it is. This site, what I'm, what I'm saying here, I, I guess I'll clear it up. They never sent out any of the items, and there's a good chance they never even had any of the product that they were pre-ordering. But why is that? Well, let's go back to point number three, game over. Now, I don't know this person on a friend level. I don't even know them on an acquaintance level. I've seen their name online. I think they've commented on one or two of my videos before. But as I understand, game over was at minimum a staff member on the team executor form. So Game Over was known there. He's been known in other community websites as well. Um, he's been known to be affiliated with Team Executor is, I guess, what we can say on that safely there. So I think the reason why this was so specifically filed against this particular user and website and business is because they said, hey, this is the one of the closest ways we can get to Team Executor in a way here. I mean, we have a staff member on their website who just established a business who is now going to be selling this product here. So I'm not sure what's going to come of it further from that. Like right now, I mean, these are still currently ongoing and such, but I mean, just saying that out loud, that's, that's very, <laughs> if anyone doesn't believe that's targeted, explain why, because I don't understand that. Um, but it's spooky when you say it out loud, that is really spooky. <laughs> oh my God. So with that here, what is going to happen with these? I don't know. Uh, there hasn't been any settlements. There hasn't been. I, I the, the legal system does move slowly, and I understand the checks and balances and such, but we will see what happens. But it looks like, at least in the short term, 
most of the major sites that we're going to be selling SXOS and SX Core and SX Lite are no longer doing that. Uh, I think this is going to be something that's going to shutter a lot of other doors as well. So it's probably going to be a lot harder to get a hold of an SX Core or an SX Lite device if you are trying to get a hold of one. Uh, I, I guess we're going to see on that how that all plans out. Like, I don't own any of them. I wasn't a beta tester. I wasn't, uh, I didn't pre-order on any of these websites. So I don't own either of these devices, nor do I have pre-orders to own either of these devices. But I... I guess we'll see what happens here. The The very last thing I want to say on that is for anybody who thinks, oh, there's still going to be sellers and still going to be super easy to find them. I mean, maybe. Will there be sellers of these? Yeah. Uh, will it be easy to find them? I, I'm not really sure. Uh, I know which website was it. I think it was modshipcentral.com. Uh, they're based out of Canada, and they used to be one of the favorite websites I used to go to, like definitely a go-to website for me. And I know a few years ago, this was around the time of like Gateway 3DS and the 3DS-based flashcards, not the DS ones, the specific 3DS ones, uh, there was a at least one or two Canadian court cases which had happened in regards to these and they were won in Nintendo's favor. So I know Modship Central, they were actually supposed to stock SXOS and the SX Pro dongle, but then they decided not to. And it was funny because I, I think I'd, I'd read it, I believe it was on GBA tip, it was on a forum somewhere, and it was, they cited the email, but somebody had asked, hey, are you all going to be stocking this or why won't you stock it? And they had straight up replied and said, Nintendo won't allow us to. <laughs> so I don't think Nintendo directly said you can't sell SXOS, but... I'm sure they probably had some contact with Nintendo, and even if they didn't, I'm sure that they saw what was happening in their own backyard and said, no, 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 we'll do the Xbox stuff, we'll do the Sony stuff, we're not going to be touching the Switch stuff. So we'll see, we'll, we'll just see where this goes, but I don't have much else to say on this, man. Lawsuits. So what's the best way to come off of talking about Team Executor-related lawsuits? Well, maybe not directly with them, but with their products. Talking about more Team Executor code, I guess, here, in the form of the TX decompress script being updated for the leaked SXOS 3.0.0 build. This has been done by Mike Heskin, otherwise known as HexKeys on Twitter. And let's just go ahead and go through this Twitter thread and kind of have a nice rundown here. Now, here he states... As for a changelog, this version's purpose is to support Mariko and the Modchip ecosystem, so there are no new features. Aside from removing all kips except for Loader, most of the changes are DRM-related. Bootloader has new code to interact with and update the Modchip. Patchers now include full copies of each Mariko Package 1 encrypted with a T210B01-T214-specific key. All applications have been updated and rebuilt to match current Atmosphere and LibNX. On the very first boot, the bootloader will attempt to update the mod chip from version 1.0 to 1.1. Update firmware is stored encrypted inside the bootloader and is likely meant to patch a handful of vulnerabilities and broken code already identified. The mod chip itself flashes a custom BCT and bootloader to the boot zero partition on the eMMC. These are stored encrypted with the Mariko BEK boot encryption key and signed with Team Executor's own key. Once the glitch succeeds, Team Executor's bootloader will run instead of Nintendo's. The initial stages focus mostly on DRM and clear out all key slots except key slot number 6 that were filled by the bootloader as a way to block any other third party from obtaining Mariko keys using the mod chip. This is, however, ineffective. Now reading a little bit further on here, a gentleman had asked any hint on the new exploit. And Mike himself replied by saying, it's not a new exploit per se. In fact, it's the exact same technique used to achieve code execution on the original units. Glitch the PKC hash check. This was made more difficult with Mariko, but the mod chip is capable of self-adapting the timings. So this is going the way of the glitch chip, like what we saw with the Xbox 360 with reset glitch hack. Another person, Gizmo, asked any word if the mod chip can boot regular atmosphere. 
open source clothes win, lol, tongue in cheek. And Mike replied by saying, it has support for booting other payloads, but it's currently broken. The boot.dat file is now also RSA signed by Team Executor to force everyone to always boot through SXOS first, which is what I figured would happen. I know that it was stated that this would support other custom firmwares, but they're still going to try and force you to go their route. Now, in regards to what Mike had said here, this is probably the most spooky thing to me in which he was saying, the modchip itself flashes a custom BCT and bootloader to the boot zero partition on the eMMC. These are stored encrypted with the Mariko boot encryption key and signed with Team Executor's own key. Once the glitch succeeds, Team Executor's bootloader will run instead of Nintendo's. So there's actual writing that's happened to a very specific boot zero partition. Well, the, the boot zero partition on your console. And in a way, it is heavily modifying or even replacing the bootloader. That's crazy to me. I, I'm not sure. I mean, it works, but I'm not sure if I like that. Now, we've also got a few tweets to chime in from Cyrus M, otherwise known as Michael, or I guess flip that around. But either way, here he had said, hey, at Gateway, nice stage zero you've got in your mod chip loading there. And there's a hash supplied for this. Now, this is explained here because he's saying Gateway, and some people might be asking what, what what's going on there. Somebody actually asked Gateway, and Cyrus M ended up explaining here, the team behind Gateway 3DS bought the Team Executor branding. So for anybody that does not know, yeah, that's, in short, that's what happened. <laughs> he had also mentioned, well, Gateway stuff was fun to poke at for a bit, but that's all done now. Time to get some more interesting things dumped. It's been a good night. And it looks like here, looking at the screenshot, he has the stage zero bin, the keys being used, and the latest PK11. Now here, of course, the keys haven't been released, but the hashes are there, the SHA-256 encryption hashes, and this is for the Mariko boot encryption key, as well as the Mariko key encryption key. So this is forward progress. Oh, and last thing here, admittedly, this does go a little bit over my head, so maybe if somebody else wants to explain it, they definitely can, but here for just our last bit, Sarazim also said, unironically loving this Mariko boot ROM strat. All of IRAM is initialized to 0xEAFFFFFE, ARM infinite loop instruction. I think the idea is that if some arbitrary bit of IRAM is jumped to it, inf loops instead of NOP sliding to attacker code. Super good shit, in my opinion. So, again, I'm just going to be the first to admit, this kind of goes over my head a little bit here, but I'm happy to see that there's a lot of progress that has been made towards reversing Mariko. So, moving off of that, I guess for our last Switch topic, we're not ending on a happy note here. This is in regards to content creation and videos being struck off of YouTube. Now, again, I don't think it's at all a coincidence that we are seeing Switch modding-related content being taken down at around the same time with the lawsuits and all this other stuff. Now, I'm highlighted here on Dark Flare Games' Twitter page because he's another content creator here on YouTube, and him and I have talked both personally as well as publicly on here. And he did give me permission to talk about this a bit further because we talked a little bit behind the scenes, so I'm going to get into that here. But this is kind of just going through some of the stuff he's been going through on his channel. Now, the first of which is this mention where he was saying, apparently, Tiny Upload is not a safe website. And because of that, I got a strike on a video that was already blocked worldwide from Nintendo and can no longer upload videos or stream. For context, it's just a mare to Emuibo, same as the other two. And here we can say that he got a community guideline strike. So this is through YouTube. It's not a copyright strike. And this is for this tutorial right here on how to emulate any amiibo for free. So I guess one of the URLs, his tiny upload URL, was just not going to be the best on there. And I know him and I actually talked about this, and it's... I guess it's interesting on here because I had said I can understand it from a copyright perspective. You know, this is if it's if it's going to be redistributing Amiibo data, any type of copyrighted data and such. But this here is this is different because this is community guidelines. And I mean, it's kind of pointing to tiny upload is not the happy site it's with the other two seem to be okay mega and sin space but it's tiny upload that ended up giving the community guideline strike 
Okay, that's strange, but he has one strike at this point. Now here, now that was on the 27th, and on the 28th he had contacted me because he was talking with me about this. He had said, I can't upload for two weeks now, and this video does not violate community guidelines in any way. There is no piracy or anything that would even come close to violating community guidelines. This isn't Nintendo, this is YouTube or something. And here he has some screenshots for Switch, how to update Atmosphere and Hikate, or Hikate. And here it shows that there's the strike right there. It happened on the 28th, and he can appeal it. And yeah, now this is something where I was like, again, this is not, this is not copyright. So this is community guidelines because he didn't seem to get any other email in regards to it being a um, the the other mix. I it's it's escaping a circumvention of technological measures. It doesn't seem to be a CTM related community guideline strike. So it was at this point here, he was tweeting about this, but he had also messaged me privately about this as well, too. Now, I'm not going to directly show the DMs on here. I'll kind of just read what was going on. But in short, he had kind of messaged me with these screenshots. He was like, dude, what do I do? Do you know about this? And I was saying, all right, first of all, because his Twitter was privated. I said, you should unprivate your Twitter. You're going to assemble this tweet. You should tweet to Team YouTube, the account at team youtube and i also said because he is a youtube partner i said you need to talk with youtube support but also most importantly you need to start appealing this strike right now so putting an appeal for it contact them and one nice thing is i believe when you're of a certain level in a partner and he was able to get a level is in once you amass a certain amount of subscribers and dark flare counts in this threshold uh, you can actually communicate with a live chat Sometimes it works super well. My experiences, my one or two times I've contacted them have been just fine. Uh, sometimes it's going to be like yelling at a brick wall, unfortunately, especially right now, which I'm, I'm going to get into this here in a bit. Uh, but he had told me, oh, yeah, I already appealed it. Currently, I'm on text chat with them. This is surprisingly faster than I expected it to be. And then he told me here, I just got off the chat with them. He watched my video and said it was flagged internally and that he couldn't give me any update on whether or not it violated the community guidelines and the team would look into it more. He also did something with the other video where my appeal wasn't reviewed yet, because that's actually one thing I didn't mention. So the first video that he got struck for on the 17th, he'd appealed it and it was just sitting there. It wasn't approved, it wasn't rejected, it was just sitting there. So that's why I said your second video, you need to appeal it and you need to contact support right now. But make sure you appeal it because they're going to tell you, dude, appeal it. Uh, well, he ended up messaging me, let's see, two minutes later and said, what the fuck? My video is back up now, apparently. I don't have the second strike anymore as far as I can tell. Now, I had mentioned this thing of flagged internally, and he responded Dark Flare by saying, yeah, not sure what he meant by flagged internally, but it looks like they reviewed it pretty quick because only three minutes after ending the chat, I got an email. When I asked for a little more details because I said I've never heard of that phrase and that's a little bit spooky to me, he had said here, yeah, I already closed out a chat so I can't get an exact screenshot, but he said something along the lines of, it seems that video was flagged internally, would you mind giving me five minutes to review the video? And then he watched it and couldn't tell me whether or not it was a violation when he finished. So, alright. Now, let me go ahead and talk about the YouTube side of things here. So with all of this stuff that has been happening right now in the world in regards to COVID-19, uh, YouTube has made it very clear. I, and I actually, I mean, I appreciate their transparency on this, but they were transparent and said because of, you know, COVID-19, because of us having to send employees home, uh, we're going to be relying a lot more on automated bots and automated systems to flag down and strike down videos with community guideline strikes. You might get impacted, and if you feel like you got a incorrect strike, please appeal it, and we can review it, and we can, you know, give you your video back, remove the strike, if all is proved to be okay. But they were just saying there's going to be a lot more mistakes happening than we would care to. And I think that's what's happening right now, especially when when they're saying here, like, when, when they directly told them it's been flagged internally, it's not a user. Like, it's not a public viewing user that went to a video and clicked flag and reported it. 
that had to be flagged by an internal system. And that is a phrase I had never heard before. Uh, but I ran it by one of my other friends as well, too. And he had confirmed that on there that, yeah, that is one of their automated processes. So it wouldn't at all surprise me if there's just maybe Nintendo might be discussing things with YouTube because of all the stuff going on, because of the lawsuits and such. It's just, I don't think it's a coincidence that's all happening around the same time. Or maybe YouTube is just cognizant of that and maybe they just turned up the dial a little bit. So now it's picking up a few more things. Because you all saw on the 15th, that's when those lawsuits were filed. News started breaking about them on the 17th, 18th or so, but the 17th, his first video was struck. On the 28th, another video was struck. I'm not saying there's a direct coincidence on that right there. Like, it's, I, I guess, I'm not saying there's direct eyes on Dark Flare's channel here, is what I mean, but I don't think this is a coincidence, is what I'm trying to say. And he's not been the only person that's been affected either. Uh, I know Modded Warfare has been impacted. I believe he's had videos that were privated like months and months ago videos that were privated so nobody can even physically watch the video and click flag on it and those have been getting strikes i know another great youtuber aesthetics he's been getting videos struck down in regards to switch content as well and they're not copyright strikes they're all community guideline strikes so i just think that there is the the bots are more out in full force right now and it's really not a safe time to be making switch modding related tutorials or even content in regards to this so be careful out there if you're on here if you're on youtube if you're watching if you're doing this stuff be careful you can easily get struck down now, I know I was just talking about YouTube and their automated bot systems and COVID-19 affecting them. And look, COVID-19 is affecting every single one of us right now, whether it's minor or major. But this is something I'm still planning to cover in my episodes of Mod Chat. I even considered not doing it in this episode, but I said, no, I still want to stick to it as long as this is going to be a major problem. So this here is the page for Folding at Home. And in case you do not know, Folding at Home is, in short, imagine if you had a supercomputer or if the people who are fighting COVID-19, the coronavirus, had access to a supercomputer. Well, in a perfect world, that would be the case, but they really don't have that. Supercomputers are going to take up space. They're going to take maintenance. They're going to be expensive. It's going to require certain knowledge. So what Folding at Home does is, I guess more people know about Bitcoin mining and such now and that using your CPU cycles as opposed to Folding at Home. But think of it in that same way. When you run Folding at Home and get it set up on a workstation at your house, like a desktop or server or something along those lines, you are using your CPU power and your CPU cycles to help donate them, so to speak. So as opposed to one supercomputer doing a whole lot of calculations that are needed, you're going to have thousands and thousands around the world doing fractions of that and then it all being compiled together. So you're donating your computer power. Now, my goal of this is always, again, we're all being impacted by COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And if I can get even a small handful of people watching and listening to this to install Folding at Home and get it set up for fighting against COVID-19, that would make me happy and I'd feel like I've accomplished something on here, as opposed to just entertaining and delivering some news topics and such. But either way, the link is going to be down below for this in the description, just like everything else on the YouTube upload of this here. If you've got the extra CPU power, please download Folding at Home, get it set up, and help fight the coronavirus. So for something that I just thought was awesome and kind of broke the internet, I guess, uh, nine years after this was built... Pixelbuts ended up releasing 8 hours of footage of the only official Gears of War 3 build for PlayStation 3. And as a reminder, it needs a dev kit, it needs fixes to data that I won't share, it needs a keyboard since menus are broken, our PCS 3 doesn't work yet, it's not perfect, but still more stable, I'm the only one with a working copy after 9 years. And of course, we don't know why it exists, all we can do is guess. Now if you'll excuse me, I'll be waiting for all the messages shouting fake, because this is the only thing that won't change no matter how much you show. So yeah, in short, this is exactly what Pixel Butts had described here. This is Gears of War 3 
compiled and built and working natively on a PlayStation 3. Now, some people might be wondering, all right, what's the modding-related thing with this? How the hell is this possible? What's going on here? Well, from what I know, and a lot of this is kind of from, you know, second and third-hand stories that I had heard and such, now it's been known that around this time when Gears of War 3 was being worked on, Epic Games was compromised by uh, several different hackers, and they had acquired a ton of data from there, some of it including early builds of Gears of War 3, but even Gears of War 3 source code. So this is not the first Gears of War 3 PS3 build that has been proven to work and is out in the wild. To my knowledge, there are two builds of Gears of War 3 which were compiled from the source code, or at least, you know, ported over. I guess more would be safe to say from the source code on here. But either way, these are two, there's at least two builds that were out there. However, they were community built i guess we i guess we can say here this is different because this has been built for the ps3 by epic games and from what we know this is this was very very internal only this is an extremely internal only thing it was not meant to see the light of day but from what we know this is the only official as far as we can go official working build of gears of war 3 for ps3 in existence actually it wasn't even working from what i know like from what pixel butts was saying it required some fixes that only he has so allegedly he is the only person who has this build of gears of war 3 for ps3 working now a bit more of it is clarified here from pixel butts here saying Jesus Christ, this is pissing me off. There's been multiple rebuilds from the elite source over the years, January and September. See, that's exactly what I was talking about. Nothing from May has ever leaked to my knowledge. The only way it can be built is if you had such, and since only Epic did, that shit was made at 2 a.m., according to the timestamps. So unless this was made without Epic's knowledge and slipped undetected till the leak the next month, then how could it be faked at all? On top of this, it's made during the move to Bink 2, which adds to the weirdness. First-party devs could make it. Third-party devs couldn't make it. Even the devs are skeptical. No explanation for why it exists is around. And even I want some answers. But even Cliff fucking Blazinski isn't 100% sure. Someone, somewhere had to make it. So who the fuck made it? Either someone from Epic made a build on their own without Epic's knowledge, or someone magically made it as a third party without source code to this revision of it a month prior to the leak. It's pretty fucking clear it points to somewhere in Epic it was made. On top of this, one of the most popular leaked builds is from the same fucking day at 3pm but for 360, which is also impossible to have made without that source, since that's never been known to have leaked. I wanted to get some sleep, but here's what's important. There's two unofficial builds, just like I mentioned, built from modified source by multiple parties. This one is the only one unable to be made by a third party due to the lack of source. All known info from the leak point to someone at Epic making it, Oh, and you know, it's just from a fucking build machine, you know? The machine that has a sole purpose to compile builds. And here we have some some evidence of that, some photographic evidence here. So one of the reasons why this was coming up as well here too is because a lot of people were calling this fake, but, um, you know, even, even the biggest person had called this fake. Look at this here. I actually had a little bit of a back and forth. So... User here, Shinobi602 on Twitter had said, Apparently, an ancient build of Gears of War 3 on a PS3 dev kit has surfaced on YouTube, and this is so neat and weird at the same time, and he linked the full playthrough. So, Cliff Blazinski, of all people, the person behind this, said, 99% sure this is fake. <laughs> and I came in and I said, well, then there's a 99% chance you didn't know your, te your dev team was having some fun with this. Yeah, I'm going to laugh at my own little thing there, but hey. So he did respond to me, and he said, We were swamped. There was no spare time to do this unless it was an engine test. So, again, a lot of people are going to point to this and say, Well, Cliffy B, B said it's 99% fake, and who the hell is Pixel Butt? So this is definitely fake. 
well, there's a redemption arc on this, and I hope Pixel Butts did feel vindicated here. Kotaku had also covered this and said Gears of War 3 PS3 footage appears online. We've been untangling the mystery of its origins. And as an update, Steven Totillo from there had said, Epic tells me build was made by them, wasn't part of any plan to bring game to PS3. Quote, this footage is a byproduct of Epic's internal Unreal Th Engine 3 testing process, which utilized both Gears and Unreal Tournament and was never part of any actual product work for PS3, end quote. And then Pixelbutts here, of course, said, thank fucking God we got to the bottom of it. So I'm going to have some gameplay of this Gears War 3 PS3 build just being shown here while I kind of riff about this a little bit. So just, just recapping that here. Again, we have this PS3 build that has been discovered that was fixed, which is the only officially made and compiled PS3 build of Gears of War 3 from Epic Games themselves. But then there's not any big, I guess, public proof of it, I guess we can say. Yes, there are tr trusted people within the community, the dev kit community, the modding community who can verify this, but the public in mass is not going to believe that. They want someone like Cliffy B to say it's real or it's fake, which Cliffy B had said it is fake, but it was further confirmed that this was actually all real, which is really cool to see. Now, what was going on with this? How how did this happen here? So I, I actually want to appear for this because I want to use my hands a little bit to describe a few things. So first of all, I'm not a programmer. I'm not a programming wizard, but I have programmed in the past before. I have compiled. I've done all that fun stuff. Not to any hardcore extent, mind you. Like, I'm not a coder by profession, but mind you, let, let, let's just get into this here. So first of all, for people who are thinking that it was super impossible to do this and such, not so much. I mean, this would have been built within the Unreal Development Kit, which is the dev kit that, or software development kit, I guess we should say. So, yeah, it's a SDK. The dev kit is the hardware, and it's called the UDK for this. The point is on here, I kind of just had to get my ducks in a row. When you're writing your code, when you have everything going on, and when you go to compile, you can choose the platform that you want to compile it to run it on. And it's not just UDK that has this. It's going to be many other platforms as well, too. That's how you see games that get ported over. Yeah, there's going to be some changes that are going to be made. You can't just cleanly take Xbox 360 code and shove it into PS3 and then hit compile. There, there's going to inevitably be some changes that need to be made. And in terms of performance, in terms of optimization, this is this there's there's pretty much no optimization on this build, right? The performance is not really the best on here because this is just a few months before the game came out. And at this point, they were kind of just focused on finishing up the game. And then, you know, when the core game is done, like when you can play it start to finish 100%, at that point, they work on all the optimizations. At that point, it's going to be more console or platform specific. But for anybody who's thinking that there's some crazy magic mumbo jumbo that's happening here to get this Xbox 360 exclusive, still to this day actually, this Xbox 360 exclusive to work on the PS3, no, it's just coding. That's it. Um, that The SDK will allow you to compile out to the PS3. So we got that ironed out, right? Now, when it came to this, one of my friends, he is a professional developer. He's worked at a few different places, and he's actually doing game development full-time. And I had run this by him, and it's so funny because it, it, it was pretty much... I was thinking I might have been right on here, but I wasn't 100% right. And it was more Cliffy B, of all people, that was more right. So, Cliffy, I know you're not watching, but I apologize on that. So, I had run this by one of my friends. He thought it was really cool. And his words, he had said something along the lines of, you know, this is probably like, he, he was just like, Cliffy B is probably not wrong. Like, what he is saying there, where Cliffy B is saying this is fake, um, that that's that's incorrect like you've proven that this is real but the fact that cliffy b said that you know they're working on this triple a game it's a few months before release and what were his exact words he said we were swamped there was no spare time to do this unless it was an engine test my friend looked at that and said yeah no he's 100 percent right on there there's absolutely no way they were just having some fun and decided to, oh, let's build out a PS3 version of this. Like, no, they were crunching. They were working hard on getting this game out there. They were swamped. They had no free time, fun time, spare time 
to just build out a build for PS3. So my friend, before that news even came out from Steven Totillo, he had looked at it and he said, I think this is probably somebody from, because he, he even asked me, he's like, remind me, what is the dev kit behind this or what is the platform? And I said, be the Unreal dev kit. He said, okay, yeah, the Unreal development kit. It was probably somebody on that team who was working on that, who just needed something to test because, and he was saying with him, when I want to test something on an engine I'm working on or doing something, I want to grab something big and I want to grab something that's going to stress the engine. So at that time, I guess that makes sense. Like, you know, you're working at Epic Games, you're working on the UDK or the Unreal Engine, and you're just kind of like looking around like, okay, like what is what is big? What's not really optimized? What's going to stress this out? Uh, oh, I know we got a uh, we got Gears of War 3 right here. Let's go ahead and compile that. So that that makes more sense to me on there. So my friend did confirm like, yes, I was right in saying this is real, but Cliffy was right in saying that they didn't have any time to do this, and it was not the Gears of War 3 dev team that did this. So because of that, Cliffy B was not aware of it, which makes more sense. Now, then when I had given him the update saying that this footage is a byproduct of Epic's internal Unreal Engine 3 testing process, my friend was just like, yep, yep, I knew that was it. So I think the very last thing is what Pixel Butts was talking about, where he was saying, let's see on here, he was talking about it being built at 2 a.m. So I was of the belief, I was thinking here, oh, maybe some people were just having a late night at the office and they want to have some fun and they just, you know, built this out. I asked my friend about that as well. He was like, no, that probably doesn't mean anything. That probably means either their staging building server was set to GMT, like it could have just been a time zone thing, uh, or it, it, it probably was not consciously made. It was pro like, as in, they didn't hit compile now. They decided to set it all up. They put it on their staging compiling server to do all of this, and then it just went off at 2 a.m. because that would make sense. Hopefully most people are at home sleeping, not working at that point. So the resources like in regards to the network, the actual hardware and such are going to be more freely available. But either way, I'm so happy that this is like, we, we've seen some concrete stuff of this. This is so awesome to see. And just like, I love that this mystery has finally been solved. And we can also now say that PS, like that, that Gears of War 3 was technically not an Xbox 360 exclusive. I don't know if you want to get cute about it, but I, I find stuff like this to be awesome, you all. Now let's talk about something that is an Xbox 360 exclusive still here as well. This is from Element18592, otherwise the owner of the mod shop and real good like personal friend of mine, friend of the show, all that stuff. And here is his GitHub link for the NAND X. And it's very simple. NAND X, clone of the NAND X. Seems simple enough, right? Well, I mean, that that is and isn't what it is. Like, in short, yes, this is a clone of the Nandex, but let's give a let's give this some more substance on here as well, too. For anybody that does not know, when you are modifying an Xbox 360 or even, you know, it's screw modification on there, the Xbox 360 has a NAND on there. And let's say, okay, okay, let's go back to this. If you want to modify your system, part of that is you have to dump the NAND and decrypt it and then build a new NAND and flash it back over. And that's made easy with a NAND programmer and made possible with it. But the NANDX is my go-to because it works well and it's fast. It takes like two minutes to dump a 16 megabyte NAND. It's, it's great on there. So... This is really cool because this has been open sourced. Like, you can come here, you can, you know, clone, download the zip file right here, and all of the Gerbers to build this yourself are here. The software is going to be here as well, too. You can flash this. Now, the software is, I wouldn't say that's open source, but I would just put it like this there are publicly released updates for the NANDX, which you can use to reflash your NANDX. So you can use these Gerbers here to build out your own Nandex to get everything fabricated. And then you can solder and build everything yourself here. And then you can take the firmware file and flash it onto the Nandex and have your own perfectly working cloned Nandex setup. So a big thank you and shout out to Element for freeing this piece of hardware. This is definitely a very nice piece of hardware to have in a Xbox 360 modding arsenal, and I'm happy to see it get open sourced. The software is already out there, but now the hardware is technically out there as well too.
All right, now for our very last topic, this is something I like to save for something that's either funny or cool or awesome, and this is an actual like a topic topic here I want to cover, but something that I think is also really awesome. It's going to be Insignia, the original Xbox Live service, and this is going to be a like a a revival of the 1.0 Xbox Live. Now, some people might be asking, okay, dude, why the hell are you talking about this again? You talked about that one project a few years ago. You just talked about Noble Live. Now, now Insignia, what is the big deal about this? Why do you love these so much? Well, I love this because, one, this is made by Luke Usher, who I was not super familiar with him, but I got to learn a little bit more about what he does. So I will get into that here in a little bit. But secondly... This is a lot further in progress than any of the other servers that we had seen. As you can see right here in this video on the official Insignia YouTube page, he is going through and he is creating a gamer tag. He's going through the whole sign-up process for Xbox Live on original Xbox hardware. And this here is really cool. This was announced to the world on May 20th of this year. So let's read a little bit further into this. How about that? I found out about this on a Reddit page here on the, or post on original Xbox, and it was saying, Announcing Insignia. Insignia is a replacement server for the Xbox's online services and is currently in private development. This service will not require any modifications or patches to software and will work with both stock and modded consoles as long as you have a way to dump keys. A one-time game exploit could be used for this. The implementation is completely clean room and has been in development since late last year. We hope to have games working by autumn 2020, but we cannot confirm anything at this time. Important notes, Xboxes with a hard drive key nulled, aka all set to zero, will not work on live due to Microsoft's implementation. Any other repeating pattern or your original Xbox hard drive key will work fine. Please make sure your serial number on your Xbox matches the one stored in your EEPROM. You must have a valid, unique serial. This is not yet ready, but a private beta will follow when we require testers. As always, if you are able to, please consider supporting me on Patreon. It helps me to be able to work on projects like Insignia. So looking at Luke Usher's Patreon paints a much nicer picture. Here you can support him, and I'm going to have this link down below in the description, of course. But about, let's read, read about this here. CXBX Reloaded is a work-in-progress Xbox and Sega Chihiro emulator for Microsoft Windows. Insignia is a replacement for Xbox's online services that became defunct in April 2010. Money received will go towards funding myself to spend more hours working on these and other projects, purchasing games to test, and purchasing equipment required to further develop the emulator and insignia. So I'm sure there's many people who have messed with CXBX Reloaded here, which from what I know is one of the best, if not the best, original Xbox emulator on PC. So Luke is not only the author of that, he works on that, but he's also been working on Insignia. Now the Discord server for Insignia, if you'd like to join, is completely public, so I don't mind sharing these here in the video. But let's just go ahead and look at the announcements, and this here is also why I'm excited about Insignia. So here, it's been covered, you know, all the news that was getting around, and check this out. On the 22nd, Milestone reached, we can sign into MechAssault. None of the options work because the underlying service isn't there yet, but at least you can log in. On the 28th and new progress, we figured out how the create session host game API works. We can see lobbies in some games. Note there is currently no way to join the session, but at least it's something. So that's within Mech Assault. Now on the 29th, it's not just Mech Assault. Amped 2 can start a game session as well and Counter-Strike. So we are now seeing life to these games for the first time officially, unofficially, in how long? This is exciting! Now, it's also worth mentioning, because again, I had talked about Noble Live on here, that Noble Live has decided to cease development, and they have disbanded respectfully, because Luke Usher, to some degree, was affiliated, from what I saw, with Noble Live, or he was at least friendly with them, but when they saw how much progress he had made with his account signing, creation, all that stuff, they said, you know what, um, Luke, you've gotten further than us, than we have on here, props to you, excellent job, we don't want to sit here and try and recreate the wheel when somebody has done that and they are doing it 
and they've gotten further than us. Um, so let's just, you know what, we, we can help you out. Let's pull resources, do whatever it is. But point is, Noble Live has been disbanded respectfully on that because now we're looking towards its insignia. That's exciting. This is exciting, you all. So hopefully, like, again, we're, we're seeing progress here, but hopefully this year we will see a cool closed beta and bring some of these games back to life for the first time, like, through Xbox Live, but not Xbox Live? I don't know. This is really cool, all right? And also, X-Link Kai is really annoying to set up, all right? Some friends and I were trying to set up some stuff on X-Link Kai, and we couldn't get this shit to work properly at all. But then, if, if you blame our connections, if you're gonna blame our connections, guess what? We got everything working through Link on Aurora Dashboard. And it worked beautifully, and it was great. But X-Link Kai, it just didn't. It was janky. It didn't work for us, unfortunately. But yeah. I think that's about it for this episode of Machet. Oh man. Now now what am I what am I gonna pick here for, for our last thing? You know what? How about this? Um what I like to do at the end of these episodes is I like to pick a keyword, and if you use that keyword in a comment on the YouTube upload, I'll know that you made it to the end. So again, if you want to check out a visual version, it's on my channel, Mr. Mario 2011. And if you want to listen to the podcast like an actual podcast, it's available on most podcasting platforms and apps. Just look up Mod Chat. And as for our keyword, uh, since my dog there, Lily, has just been itching and sleeping and happily panting, uh, how about we use the word sleep? If you use the word sleep in your YouTube comment on the YouTube upload of this, I'll know that you made it to the end of this very, feels like a long, this long episode. You know, there weren't even that many topics on here, but I just really got into them. <laughs> Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for watching and listening, everyone. And until next time.